This podcast is brought to you by the brand new FX PhD Smoke 2013 Fast Forward Training. Download all 10 smoke classes immediately for $99 to get started in checking out this brand new editing and compositing package. Details at fxphd.com. You're listening to The RC, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hi, and welcome to this week's RC podcast. I'm Mike Seymour. We'll be covering this week uh, digital cinematography, as we do. Uh, iPhone lights, red towers, Chinese red raw cameras, and magic lanterns, and much more. And this week here on the RC podcast, I have my good friend Jason Wingrove back. How are you, sir? Hello. Good to be back. I quite like this sort of floating in and out of uh, hosting style kind of things. Uh, we see our role here at the RC to mine the news, filter the blogs, and of course go down some serious rat holes. Um, this is the camera tech that we obsess about, discuss, argue, and even try and work out occasionally. Uh, and <laughs> we uh, we have Jason on the line remotely, um, but better than nothing. But we've got Hello. you skyped in. Um, yes, I am from the southern hemisphere at least this time. So no, yeah, not for long. Good. I hear. I hear you're about to fly out again, or sometime soon. Oh yeah, here, there, here and there. I'm off for a couple of weeks to do a doco in the states. In yeah, probably a couple of weeks. But I've got to do a little. Uh, I've got a couple of TVCs to do back home before then. So yeah, it's been busy. It's been good. It is uh, good to have you back. We've got quite a lot of news and stuff to cover. We, we thought we'd actually not have a, an interview per se this week because we've actually got a ton of stuff we wanted to catch up on. Um, and uh, so it ranges from news to, uh, to gear, but it's basically stuff that we've been um, uh, putting aside, pondering, wasting time with and having fun with. Um, and in that time, I guess, there's a lot of stuff that kind of comes and goes. There's lots of cameras that, you know, and even stuff from NAB that's been announced that really hasn't even, we haven't even still even seen yet, like C500s and stuff like that. So I think, well, you know, I don't the, really want to even talk Magic about camera. stuff that uh, doesn't even exist yet. Let's, let's not miss the Black Magic camera, which I thought would be out by now. True, true, true. Uh, just uh, before we start, I just wanted to say thanks to Tom Gleason and to uh, John Montgomery and Jeff Huser for uh, doing excellent uh, stuff in the interim and an excellent report from Cinegear, which I was uh, very jealous. I, I think I'd love to. I think I'll think I'll try and go next year if I can. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, obviously on the back lot and stuff, it's uh, it's a good atmosphere. But also, there is just a wealth of good people that you bump into walking around the. Uh, the thing so it's just a fun place to go hang out i think it's good to do it if you're not in a rush because yes you, know, you run into yeah, somebody I'm probably a little bit more hands-on a little bit i uh, probably a little bit cra- cra- less crazy and a little bit easier to see everything um even the time we had at nab there's still plenty of stuff i didn't see there's still plenty of stuff that uh, i saw after the fact on other people's videos or whatever but i was there at cinegear in in, in spirit ordering uh, ordering from afar hey tommy did you ever buy those uh pop-up uh, reflectors that Tom. I did not. I did not. I, I saw did, those so guys. Good. Yeah, like, yeah. Those, uh, I'm trying to think. I'll put. I'll try and put a, a link for those guys. I'm trying to think what they were called. But yes, little uh, well, uh, well, pop-up reflector umbrellas. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Tom, yeah. Uh, Tom were, had them. We were shooting with them. Yes, they were t- terrific. Very, very good guys. Um, no, I didn't buy that, but I did buy the uh, the Paralynx Arrow, that uh, wireless HDMI receiver transmitter thing, and I'm busting to get my hands on that. I need it like yesterday, like last week, like last year. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be an awesome piece of tech when it gets here. Uh, I need it yesterday, last week, last month, last year. It's, uh, yeah, it's a pity it's HDMI, but, uh, man, if it'll do what it's meant to do for the money, it'll be, um, it's going to rock my world. Yes, I got my RED camera back from uh, sending it to RED for a whole bunch of upgrades and stuff. Oh, yes. oh, my God, what a nightmare getting it through customs. Really? 
Oh, mate, we, yeah, literally, uh, we they sent it back in slightly the wrong order thing on the to a week in customs they charge us four thousand in gst which i can get back yes. but that's basically four thousand in sales tax i can claim it back but it's like really what you know it was like and uh never use dhl is my theory <laughs> fedex no problem dhl complete yes, moron there's a few people who it, they're very good from europe actually if they're coming from sort of europe and uh, somehow I've, I've had really good success if stuff's really? come from there but i don't know somehow coming from the states but uh, no, I, I, just, I think the name should have been a giveaway for me dickhead losers i just sort of thought <laughs> it just somehow it should have alerted me to the fact but i think there's some, i thought there was some paper you could fill in some sort of import export thing that just said this is temp this thing here is temporarily going away i no, own it exactly. and when it comes back in it's mine still please don't charge me tax again for something i already paid a year ago when i bought the freaking thing yeah okay so anyway joy the joy of australian customs yes i will say though that it's becoming an issue to me like yes i would have thought by now red would have opened up some regional offices because it is actually really annoying to have to send your stuff back to california to get it fixed it was really annoying me although i'm very happy that they fixed it but it was annoying for me to have to send back my epic to get the uh, antenna fixed the upgrade for the red mode to make it work from go from mm. beyond six feet uh and then like a week after they did that they now have a separate kit that you can just send away for and do it yourself but uh yes i'm very happy that mine got updated as your red moat now actually works more as yes. a road moat and less as a paperweight yes. absolutely no it's uh I have no complaint about the red engineering. No, no complaint it's just, about the career. It's just the fact that it has to go to the other side of the world. Hmm. Yeah, it's really annoying. There's pretty much not much other piece of gear that you own that uh, has to do that. Yeah, so let's talk about other gear. gear. And on the uh, running sheet, you have the Canon T4i slash 650D. Well, yes, these things always have different designations. For uh, In Australia, it's a 650D. The T4i <clears throat> is the new little DSLR from Canon. What, what I sp- mm, There's a couple of things that were meant to be interesting. One was particularly was reported to be that uh, it would do clean uh, HDMI out. Like you could literally get yep. a nice, clean, uncompressed feed from the camera uh, without markings and lines and you know white focus boxes and time code and shit uh, this is not the case uh, so uh, basically you will get a, a menuless HDMI out but it is actually got a crop it's a bit windowed so you could get a clean HDMI if you blew it up a little bit um, um, but basically, so it's like it's got a picture frame on. It's a picture frame, and then but the, the other issue is that the the there's, it doesn't seem to be at this stage with the release firmware any way to be able to make it stay on live view any longer than uh, I think about a, a thirty seconds, and it just tri- trips <laughs> out, and then you get you have to keep you know like like you kind of the live view goes to sleep, so you can record thirty second bursts and then later have to blow it up to get. <laughs> So there's to go it's, from it's, uh, 1527 8680 to 1920 by 1080. Exactly. So that's that's yeah. What could possibly be, go wrong? So it's not. To it's these guys, not ideal. Yeah, not, but look, you know, this is not what these things are intended for. We're still dragging these things, kicking and screaming onto sets. So I'm still okay. guilty. Still did it. I did it like this weekend. I did it. I'll do it. You know, next month. It's it's it's, it's that's what happens. But um, what, what are you guilty of? Beg pardon. What are you, what are you of, guilty of? Of using, continuing to use DSLRs as a professional tool. Um, well, that's not a crime. <laughs> no, no. So, but uh, I, I think the what I suppose what's there's a couple of little tweaks on this camera which are interesting. First of all, the articulated um, 
LCD screen, which would be nice if they started to bring that into some of the later, the higher-end cameras. Although you could probably say this is a bit of a, that function is a bit of a, you know, soccer mum feature. But uh, I think I'd use it. Uh, the other thing was that it has a newer focus system which will allow you to actually do autofocus while you shoot. Now, I'm not sure if that's a, a function of a kit lens that comes with it uh, or how, how, the, how the camera shoots, but basically it will uh, do like your traditional classic autofocus, you know, video autofocus that we're used to. Um, apart from the articulated LCD, the autofocus interests me not, 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 not whatever at all i'm not interested in that function whatsoever the the clean hdmi would have been would have been interesting to see but to be honest you know i'm getting really great pictures out of the mark three as it is so can i can i ask you another question canon related people have been twittering and telling me that they're off to do to buy the ef 40 millimeter pancake 2.8 yeah and i'm i'm i just wanted to i mean look I apologise. I've read the brochure. I pardon my ignorance, but why are people so excited about this? Is it just that it's really cheap? I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, 40 mil okay, is good. a lovely size. Oh, well, uh, yeah, but... But, but 2.8, I don't get that. Uh, well, a, what I don't understand, and I know very little about lens design, and clearly there doesn't seem to be any way around it, otherwise they maybe would have done it. How for some small, such a small lens with probably such simple little elements... Uh, uh, is it is it that hard to make it a little bit faster? This is an L. This is an L lens, I think, isn't it? See, I don't think it is. Isn't it? I don't Maybe think it's, it's not. An L lens. Maybe it's no. not. Okay. I mean, I guess it's just designed. I mean, this would be a lovely, perfect walk around, compact. Well, but uh, hang on a second. Like, you're at you're at. Uh yeah, maybe, but we're 50s are at one eight, one four, one two. Yeah, and I, I, you know, used to argue well, you don't really need to go past one four, and then I said, oh bugger it, I did, and then I was really happy that I had. So I was spending serious dollars to go one four to one two. We're going from a fifty mil to forty, and we're going up to two point eight, which seems to me to be kind of, uh, mm. you know, a bit of a thing. I mean, isn't it twenty four to seventy? kind of yeah, nailing that range exactly. really well but i don't think this this is really is designed to be uh i guess to turn a small dslr like a like the 550 or any of those cameras to turn it into a almost pocketable um kind of street shooter you know to, if you can put so it's just to make a, a, a Make a SLR really, really small. Yeah, I the, guess. The yeah, I, th- I think so. Any of these sort of uh, pancake lenses. Are I mean, really I understand designed. it's really cheap. But I kind of sound like like yeah, no, absolutely. Bucks or I just I I thought I about it. Didn't hey. have any desire to run it. Oh, you did. I, I, I thought about it, about it, but then the lens. I thought, nah, two eight. I just can't go there. I spent lots of money to get from one point four to one point two, or to get from you know two to one point four, and 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 keep and it I there. So I just, I don't have any problem with fifty on a five D. Yeah. I forty on maybe a seventy, but I mean on on a five D, fifty is gorgeous for me. I really like fifty. Yeah, yeah. Look, I spend still on on commercials. I'll spend a lot of time on on on, basically on three maybe four lenses thirty thirty five, fifty eighty five. You know, it, those are the three I love. I love those three lenses. Yeah, I will say though the twenty four to seventy is a killer lens. I. I totally respect John Montgomery for putting me onto this it's a great lens for interviews because at 24 to 70 you just stick it on you can always you know crop it and frame it right and if you're doing an interview and thus recording video you of course you know don't want to be cropping in post because it's you want the 1920 by 1080 to start with yeah and that's a great lens but notwithstanding that yeah 
for if you're in the in a non-interview kind of environment where you are, which is obviously the narrative drama documentary, or or in your case, um, you know, commercials and stuff. Totally love those three lenses to death, and I love them for stills as well. And it's a conscious decision to not have to have a fixed lens. I, I the amount oh, yeah. of time that I waste. And the amount of opportunities, well, potential maybe, you'll never know what you missed because you missed it. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure I miss stuff by stopping and sw- swinging a lens and, you know, changing the lens. The only time I'm really conscious of really screwing up and completely missing the shot, and it was just an, uh, just an appalling lack of timing on my behalf, was I got up at near dawn, I went down to this location for an event that was going to happen just the once, I thought, and I was so bored uh, waiting for it to happen that I started mucking around with this 8mm. <laughs> and the second I decided yep. to swap from the 8mm to back to the Sensible 50, the, the, the event I'd been waiting for, which is my good friend Jason Wingrove to ride by across the Sydney Harbour Bridge, had happened. You literally went past me as the lens is out, uh, uh, un- unsocketed, like disconnected. I was, ah! And then, of course, That's on right. a bike, you ride quite quickly. And I was like, I got a shot of you like half a mile down the road. And nothing. I could have gone around, of course. The nice thing, the polite thing <laughs> for a friend would have been maybe just do it, do it, look at the U turn and just, just here I come again, try again, take two. But no, yeah, it's I, a freaking no. race, dude. No, absolutely. I was, yeah, <laughs> I, I screwed up. I'm not a documentarian. Oh, uh, dear. But I mean, you know, that the whole lens change thing is not an issue on 90% of the stuff out there. My stuff just happens to be that little bit more doco and less structured and scripted and uh, a little bit more run and gun lately it just happens to be maybe in a year's time i won't you know i'll be doing completely different stuff that's why that's why um that's why hey, um, on that for. score well yeah while we're just kind of rat holing away here as we do um i ran across something of well vague interest i guess um during the week which i thought was kind of interesting but just about the size of lenses apparently at the 2012 london olympics They've officially said you can't take a camera that has a lens longer than 30 centimetres. That's it. Yeah. Like tripods and monopods are banned. So all you can take in is a camera. You're allowed to take in an SLR, but no lens. And I would suggest that as a, as a precaution, don't take in a lens that's kind of blonde or the light coloured. <laughs> yeah. Having, having been searched last time we went to, what was that? Um, when we were in LA, we went to the Dodgers game. Oh, yes. Yes, and they yes. pulled out one of my lenses and they were like... It, is this, it was a no, long no, no. walk back to the car park that I was imagining yeah. that you were going to have to wait to make. But, um, yeah, so you know, that, that's what they've said. And the theory is that if you... I mean, they've, banned, they've banned a lot of other stuff, by the way. They've banned golf umbrellas, large hats, frisbees, food, air horns, any clothing with political statements on it. I'm happy they've banned any, air horns. And, and, and any flags of countries not participating in the games. And I was thinking... How, how many countries would you have flags of that aren't in the games? But anyway, it's like really like, and also, Black how would gloves. you know, right? What else? No, no, but but, but but like you would turn up with this flag, right? And almost every country is in the games, so you would have a flag from what North North Korea don't compete. I don't know who doesn't compete, but even if know. you did, like how many people would? I can, I'm sorry, I don't consider myself completely like ignorant of world cards, politics. A list of the world's flags for you to cross. Yeah, and it's like, it's like I'm sorry, we believe that this is the previous flag for Upper Guatemocan. And uh, not the uh, after the uh, rebellion. So anyway, I just, but apparently yeah, that's one of the things. It's, you can't it's take one it. of those bullshit kind of nanny state. Uh, and also, I believe that there will be no storage facilities or no lockers or anything there. So theoretically, if you've taken the the four hour train trip to from Scotland to the games and you're uh, um, get there and you can't bring in your eight hundred mil f two eight. 
um, yeah, you're kind of screwed back on the train with you. So, I, I mean, you can get a very long, you can get quite a long lens shot with quite a small camera and quite a small lens. It's just one of those bullshit, bullshit rules. I really want them to come out with the 70 to, to um, 200 lens and the doubler in cheap looking plastic enclosures like you know that you could clip on like i reckon there's a market for that right i'm going to go on to kickstarter and you just get these cheap plastic enclosures that, that go around your expensive lens that make it look really cheap and nasty it's the weight of them is the trouble well, collapsible it? So, like those sort of travel cups like a, like a bellows thing yeah. <laughs> yeah what you should do right is have a, has it in pieces like so every piece is like a you know how you got the doubler when you've got a base lens <laughs> yes. that's only like you know thirty centimeters long, and then you've got a six doublers, and all your mates are carrying all your doublers. And when you get in there, like a yeah, like a, you just assemble it like it's a like being sniper. a sniper exactly. Yeah. I don't have a gun. No, I've got this little no. bit of plastic. My mate might have the thing, and he's got the stock, and this guy's got the trigger, yeah. and yeah. And his eventually. his uh, his walking stick is my tripod, and <laughs> that guy's belt buckle is my fluid head. Yes, we've got two eleven-inch long lenses, and we're okay to get in when we get in there. We'll, yeah. we'll build a twenty-two-inch, yeah, you two-foot-long lens, <laughs> <laughs> and then get asked to leave. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. freaking stupid. But but seriously, right? Like, who doesn't want to take photos at the Olympics? I don't know. I, would I w- you? I think that I think. You just want to watch the freaking thing, you know? No, no, I'm sorry. At the 2000 Olympics, I had a ball taking photos. And I'll tell you what you can do, and I would totally recommend that you do this. I did a, um, let's see if I can find it. I did a panorama of the stadium at the men's 100 meters final. Like, you know, like a patched uh, together pano. Oh, my God. It was just glorious. Crap camera. Patched it together. High-res file. Thanks for playing. Yeah, but there's actually this, there is the school of thought. And I think actually Stu uh, did mention something. It might have even been, a, I think it was a tweet a while back. I said, you know, what you want to come back with is not shots of the freaking zoo. You want to come back with shots of you and your family at the zoo, you know. So just a happy snappy is great because you want, you know, the memory of here's, here's what's such and such about to cross the line on the 100 metre, you know, 100 metre finals. It's a big deal. You want, you know, you want, a, you want the shot of you guys yeah, at the, at the you With know, respect, the though, if you've gone the, to an Olympic event, there's a lot of sitting around waiting. Like, you could be there all afternoon. I don't think my family would be bothered if for 15 minutes I was doing a pano while we're there for like three and a half hours sitting waiting for the event, which is, by the way, over in 9.8 seconds or 9.6. The thing is, I'm with you, right, to a point, except for I was at the zoo with the red and I was worried that they were going to throw us out because, you know, it looks kind of like a professional camera. And the zoo was the exact opposite. Like, yeah, take as many photos as you like. They're great, aren't they? The animals. We love that you love the animals. And I was like, well, thank you. Thank you very much. I paid to get in. Thank you. I appreciate it. My taxes that. paid for the construction. Yeah, it's not like this giraffe was like needing I to sign a, a release. Giraffe. Well, okay. Hey, um, were you tempted to lash out on a new Apple, a new Mac, I a new laptop? I must say I've ordered the... Uh, well, I certainly wasn't tempted to lash out on a new Mac Pro. I just wanted to lash out on a freaking sharp-edged weapon to go and stab <laughs> someone whose decision that was. I'm uh, very interested and have lashed out on uh, the MacBook Pro, but haven't received it yet, the new Retina. Um, very keen to... I don't know. Did you go for the top of the line with the new graphics I, thing? Yes, the new graphics, but um, yeah. had to do the build-to-order to do the 16-gig RAM because you can't change it later. 
which is a just it's just why do we why are we such suckers for this company's products it's insane no you can't change anything you have to you're just you have basically making decisions now for two or three years down the track but mind you i don't really hang on to anything more than a couple of years anyway so it doesn't really um it's not so much of an issue but trying to gauge what's how software is going to run you just you know you just have to go with the go with the higher everything go with the higher ssd go with the higher um, Did you go to the top of the line processor? Because I always think one notch back from the top of the line makes no bloody difference. Uh, I think I think seeing as I was going the new, the and higher processor so much was you just maxed out yeah, every sure, sure. No, I think the new Here the higher processor code. was only going to be two hundred dollars more. Okay. I didn't go for the higher higher like the seven fifty gig SSD because that was going to be like six or seven hundred stupid dollars more. So I think I just paid the what is now paltry $200 to go from 8, I would 8 have gig of RAM to 16 gig totally largest SSD they had going mm. that would be the thing that would drive me mm. well, I think the it idea was pretty was shocking that the towers didn't have Thunderbolt don't you yeah. think? No. I'm actually quite happy that the, the Mac Pros have got um, two? USB 3 you know, well, I like fine. that they've got two Thunderbolts. Yeah, two Thunderbolts. Because I think I didn't order one, by the way. The theory might be to get. The, I think I can't remember the name. In the, there's a company that's just released a. Well, they I think announced it NAB or pre NAB a Red Rocket, an enclosure designed specifically for the Red Rocket. Uh, oh, really? And it's like six or seven hundred bucks just for the enclosure, but it's specifically designed to fit the Red Rocket only and. Um, uh, so that would be because I mean, when you if you think about it, if this processor, if it's going to be probably my 2009 Mac Pro, this is probably m- apart from any acceleration you might get from a Quadra 4000. Maybe the uh, maybe the graphics card will you know aid with a bit of acceleration of uh, say say CS6. Um, then the next reason you might need a PCI card would be a Red Rocket card and uh, oh, or, or external. Uh, or external uh, monitors. So a, a you can do external a, um, monitors through through Thunderbolt, and you can do the Red Rocket card through this external enclosure. And then you know the other reason is all the internal storage. So if you get the external Thunderbolt RAID, so, which I have, yeah, yeah. So if you've got two or three Thunderbolt things hanging off, and you, at least you've got a couple of ports to share the load, because I believe although it's meant to be able to daisy chain this stuff, it will bog down. You know, it will bog down more than you think. So I think the the plan is to maybe see how this will go as a kind of one because I've got the MacBook Pro and the Mac Pro at home, and I'm just you know it's kind of a pain having two machines. The file I want's always on the other computer, um, mm-hmm. so it would be nice to have something that's going to have a bit of grunt and. Um, uh, potentially have the ability to plug in a few extra things when you get home and have two monitors and have uh, external raids and so I think we're we're close to agreeing to Apple's grand plan of uh, no Mac Pros for you, no towers for you, my friend. Um, you weren't tempted to get an HP Tower Red Edition, <laughs> limited the edition. HP eight twenty Tower, the Red Edition. No, starting liquid cooled unobtainium Quadro five thousand, including Red Rocket and multiple and two uh, um, SSD readers. Yeah, and two SSD readers. A snip at ten thousand dollars. Mm, no, I just can't bring myself to do. Um, to do Windows, I'm sorry. I'm sure Windows 8 will be great, but I just, I just, I just can't go there. I just can't go there. I mean, this this is expensive as well, but uh, and it's an impressive step. But 
Uh, and, the, you know, there's a lot of DRT guys using who don't care about Windows and who just literally want um, Grunt for copying and, uh, and, and, you know, don't care about... who don't care about the... Um, the the user interface of the actual software that it's all based on and they just really all the apps are there in in mac so you know you've got cs6 and you can um i guess you can run you know there'll be a you can run you can run resolve can't you you can run well yeah you can run resolve, pretty much everything you need on set you're really going to like resolve on that quadro card as well quadro card it's uh, so you know. It's it definitely there'll be DIT guys. Uh, it's not going to. It's not going to be mainly. This is, seems to be like a DIT beast to me. Uh, not going to suit me. I can't. I cannot. I spend as much time as I do just in general computing as I do, you know, cutting or um, uh, coloring or anything. So or onlining. So uh, yeah. If I was purely just doing crunching, number crunching, copying. If you're on set as your nine to five, this would be the beast, I'd say. But you don't have to reinvest in every single app to get the, you know, to get the yeah. PC version of it. Yes, sir. While we're on the subject, should we talk about smoke being released? Well, yeah. You probably won't I guess. like me talking about it. Yeah, I quite <laughs> quite like the idea of smoke. Twenty thirteen. <laughs> Apparently you don't. Mm-hmm. From the seven minutes it was clocked that you yeah. tolerated it. Well, I'm just really, and you may have detected. I'm, a, you know, you've sort of met me before. I'm a slightly intolerant person. <laughs> uh, I spend. I just, I just, I'm just, I just, I just, I can just tell. You know, if I'm going to like something, if something's going to click with me, or if I, you know, I think it also depends on. And, and this is purely based on on my usage, uh, what my usage of Smoke 2013 would be. Which would be, I'd probably be spending fifty to seventy-five percent of my time in the uh, NLE section and the online and colouring, and not having to round trip and leave that software and go to another piece of software and stay within one app. Um, uh, that that would be the appeal. So, if the bit where I'm going to spend most of my time uh, isn't appealing, um, then yeah, I, I wasn't really going to bother. Learning the rest of it. I mean, all this week, um, the, uh, what I, a spot that I didn't personally edit, but we edited uh, the spot I just finished this week uh, on smoke and uh, all night and coloured it, and we did did it all um, in not 2013 in, in the other in the earlier version 20, 2012 I guess, uh, and it's great. And you know, it is a completely utterly online completely pro online app as you know it's 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 um it's hugely capable and to get it for three grand or so it will just be astounding but uh i just um it, and it would have been ideal i would, would have snapped it up if i could see myself working in the nle part for uh, more than whatever it was seven minutes well i'm just gonna give a Un- consider this an ad that I'm going to say that FXPHD actually has fast forward smoke training on uh, PhD site which uh, John and I did uh, so if you went over to FXPHD slash news slash FXPHD dash fast forward dash smoke dash fundamentals or just go to the homepage of FXPHD.com and you'll see an ad for it there um, we I, I don't necessarily disagree with you because I obviously think that it's, it would be good to have stronger um, non-linear editing capabilities at the front end. 
I just don't see why that can't come. And also, I think if the plug-in market got behind it um, somehow yeah. or other, uh, and you could, you know, suddenly start building stuff out from it, yeah. that it could be really, really huge. Um, but I will say point blank thank you because one of your shots is one of the ones that I used in teaching oh, cool. it. So thank you. Well, for it that, is still, as I say, it's, you can't deny it. it's a phenomenal powerhouse for the money. It's utterly astounding and, and unheard of that you know we're getting this level of power and control for three K. And I don't think that the NLE side is necessarily not lacking in functionality yes it'd be great if you know eventually plugins you know you could use your um magic magic bullet and uh, use your looks and you know use all the plugins that we use now for uh, cs6 or, or fcp but i think one of their main marketing aims was to attract you know to launch it at this time and get those people that are still hanging in space who haven't committed to cs6 or to avid or whatever who are the people who and haven't waited long enough for fcpx to to to, to get better and uh, really still haven't committed and um i just don't think it's a comfortable enough space i think not necessarily after the power, I'm just after to be able to open up that interface and feel reasonably at home. Like you do if you're a, a FCP7 user, say, and you open up Premiere Pro. It's very easy to get comfortable with that interface quite quick and keyboard shortcuts and everything. So is that what you're cutting on now? Is that what you're cutting uh, That's what I, If I'm going to start a new project, yeah. I, I've just got so many little legacy projects that are hanging in there that I have to, just by sheer nature, have to open up and still working a bit in FCP7. But it's only, you know, I'm only probably one software update away from it never even being able to launch again. Um but uh, yeah, if I'm starting a new project, I will. I'm not 100% committed that it's final, that it's Premiere Pro. But yes, if I'm starting a new cut, um, then I will. Yeah, that's 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 where I'll start. And I've done stuff, and I did um, that recent uh, the Seaport with the the Wisecam stuff that you mentioned, which I was going to circle back on to give you a plug. Yeah, so I cut that so on. I've got to cut sh- that on Premiere. I was very happy, and I was conscious of the editing process and not conscious of the tool I was using in, which is pretty impressive to go from one platform to another. And that's probably only the second or third thing I've cut on Premiere. And yeah, I feel very at home, and I think that's what was missing with Smoke. Can we get your URL for that clip? I mean, can you say what it is? Yeah, your um, Vimeo one. Well, I think you can probably go. I wonder if you can go to Vimeo.com/seapools. Maybe if that works. Let's see. Um, but I think, yeah, that yes. was... Does it? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm saying yes to the sentiment behind the comment, not the URL. Sorry. Right, right. Um, uh, I will say this, though, that uh, when you want to start doing other things, like the depth in smoke is pretty impressive. I mean, there's a lot of 3D graphics functionality stuff that in there that is pretty awesome yeah so you know if you're highly like you're making promos and doing kind of more layered up stuff that's just straight editing stuff you'd be stunned at what's in smoke anyway yeah it's just another option but i'm glad to see it happening i don't want to poo-poo it and because you know that's completely unfair and i'm my poo-pooing is based purely on on my needs and my migration i would never even thought that i'd be even even looking at it as a uh, as a tool, because it's seriously something that I'm happy to have uh, highly um, experienced people um, use for me, and uh, you know, completely happy uh, having it as a online tool that that other people use. I've never even seen myself using it, and and I'm maybe in the next iteration, probably will. 
Uh, Vimeo.com slash channels slash cpool. And it's Great. in there. Um, but yeah, look, that that was probably the main thing. I didn't feel I didn't feel like I was... I think for it to be a smooth transition, it needs to be something that feels welcoming or feels you feel reasonably at home with you might be it's always going to be that time where you think oh where's that button it's not here it's up in this corner and those little things you get by but i think if they're if they're purely if they are really trying to get new users across with the nle being the leading part of that that program then yeah that 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 part of it does need to i will say this jason it's taken a huge leap forward it's taken a huge leap towards accessibility. If you had sat down to try and edit at all in the previous version of Smoke, I don't think you'd have had a friggin' clue. Yeah. Like, it's really dramatically simpler. Right, right. Or rather more familiar than it was. So they've, they've taken a huge step in that direction already. Yeah. Not saying it's there, but it is actually. Like, if you've tried using Smoke before, this won't even look like the same thing. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, before if you try and do, if you're in an online, you say, oh, can we just slip a couple of shots? There's always the general eye rolling that goes along with that comment. That, oh, great, I have to start doing editing in, in Smoke. Um, but as I say, full, um, full marks to the guy I had cutting for me uh, this week, who from beginning to end, just because of the availability of the rooms, he cut the entire cut the entire spot in there and i didn't even miss a beat it wasn't you know that was seamless i wouldn't you know it doesn't really matter on the tool it's the person using it and uh, how com- competent they are and if they're good at it then you won't you won't you won't be conscious of, of what the platform is so um anyway that that's 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 my two cents um but uh good on you for getting in there and doing the whole um doing your um getting in early on on 2013 and and, and doing this course and maybe you know i should probably um check them out and um did did you touch on the i mean you spent a bit of time on the nle in that course Mm -hmm. yeah cool hey um something else that's been uh kind of fun that uh you and i were talking about last night i think it was on friday night because you were looking about it for a job uh is magic lantern it's now if you're used to magic lantern being the magic lantern of some time ago and it was all a bit frightening and scary and quite frankly who would want to risk your uh slr to something that seemed like a super hack um actually magic lantern now has a website and uh one of the things you may or may not know we've uh, hacked our, um, or what we're using Magic Lantern on our 5D Mark II at the moment, mm. is that you can actually run it up uh, from a source code that is on the CF card at the time of camera startup. So it's not like you have to sort of hack over all of the stuff in your camera. You put Magic Lantern in, it runs up, you run it, you don't want it, you un. You put another card in, go again, you're good. Yeah, it's pretty and bloody impressive these days. It, I mean, yes, that's that's the magic lantern of old that I that I know. The completely hackseed. Where, where the hell is this? Where do I actually find the code, and how do I even run it? Now, it actually, you go to magiclantern.fm, and it actually even looks like a real product. Like it like actually looks like they should for for something that is an open source piece of software. They it it looks like it's like okay, where do I buy it? You know. It looks yeah. polished and uh, it's it's bloody impressive. And part of it was yes, I was I did a bit of time lapsing on the weekend on a, on a job and actually sort of had some success for the first time and had a, had a good had a, a good um, uh, a good result. And I figured I'd try and get a 
uh, a camera that was a little bit as a as a B we had like three we had five cameras on the shoot three Mark threes and a Mark two doing the time lapse and a GoPro and the GoPro you know just was was shit because um, uh, the, the it was foggy and the sun was going in and out and it was cold and it was sunny it was cold and sunny and the housing fogged up. So, um, and it was kind of a backlit shot, so that made it even worse. So, hopeless. But uh, the 5D Mark II time lapse was terrific. But, you know, you've got to uh, get the remote control and, and play with that and work that out. And I just wanted to see what. And if you're doing a time lapse, you're usually, as I am, doing a fairly wide lens thing, so it doesn't really need to be a full frame sensor. So, I was looking into investigating which cameras were sort of more but still have RAW and would still have manual exposure, of course, but would have had all the um, Magic Lantern built in, you know, not to have to dick around if you're up on a ladder, you know, in the wind, um, strapping a camera to the side of a a shed that you um, don't have to worry about an extra cable and an extra remote control, and you can do it all in the camera. So that is one of the many functions that the that Magic Lantern will add to your 5D um, time-lapse without. And there's a lot of on-screen data without having to have a really small uh, sort of menu. You know, if you've, you've got uh, your 5D hooked up to a external monitor, you have to cycle the info to be able to get... Um, to see all your, you know, to see all your, all your shooting info and... Um, histograms and you know what frame rate you're shooting at and what iso you're shooting at and if you really want to fill your frame with menus suddenly all that information goes so this is a really they've really laid things out brilliantly to be able to give you a lot of information and still be shooting so full marks for something which essentially is not a something is not a product you pay for uh, yet it's something that's really evolved and although the 5d mark 3 is not supported yet they are as you said i think you said mentioned mike they're well and truly working on it yeah, I've sold something else for time lapse that I've been playing with, um, which uh, we're finishing up with this week, which is Trigger Trap, which is it runs on your iPhone and there's a cable because it plugs into your audio jack of your iPhone. And this cable, you do not want to plug your iPhone in directly to your camera. Just repeat that. Under no circumstance, plug your iPhone directly into your camera. You go through another intermediary lead and then you plug it into your camera. But if you do that, you get a whole lot of time-lapse controls on an iPhone with all the UI of an iPhone. This was basically a, means a um, Kickstarter, yeah, wasn't it? Look, it, it may have been, but I think it um, was. I didn't kickstart it. Right. Um, I bought the lead and then got the app right. when I heard it was coming. And there's a free version, there's a pro version. But it's interesting for a number of reasons. I mean, I don't know that I would use it this way, but it's got triggers for things like noise, right? You could set it up so whenever there's a loud bang, it takes a photo. Yeah. Um, or when it shakes, it takes a photo. I think there's a fairly... I can't know when I'm going to use that. But what I liked is you could do ramped uh, time-lapse because that's one of the things that's really hard to do unless you way overshoot and do it in post. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it's you know, you start off really yeah, slow so I, and then... Yeah, foomph. yeah. eventually, yeah. you inevitably end up doing some sort of speeding or even, you know, cutting it out and doing dissolves and stuff to, yeah, to to jump time or speed it up, yeah. You can do ramping, okay. And it also can do other things, which is kind of cool, which, again, I'm not necessarily saying you would want to do, but there's a um, there's like a GPS time-lapse. So let's say you were going somewhere. It would take a photo every kilometre, not every minute, wow. which means if you were trying to even out a car journey yeah. somehow... Yeah, stop at the lights. It doesn't keep taking photos. It that's just waits genius. until you get going that again. That is genius. 
Because, of course, an iPhone is just a really clever computer, for want of a better term, with a good user interface. And so it's exactly what you kind of want. Now, I'm against hanging tons of stuff off your camera, but this is so darn interesting. I will say this, though. When you first get it, if you're like me, I've seen some bad reviews for it. I got it, and I saw some bad reviews, and, oh, this is just a piece of junk. And it's <laughs> that and like I gave one it, of my reviews. Yeah, and I gave it to Jim in the office, and I said, oh, okay, this stupid thing to work. Yeah. And he was like, why not? And I said, well, look, you press the button, nothing happens. If you want and he something goes, right. cracked. And, then he, and he sat there for a second and he sort of pressed a couple of nondescript dots on the screen, which suddenly went from black to red. And then suddenly it all worked fine. He said, oh, you haven't activated the thing. I'm like, you haven't turned it on. Right. Because it's got a f- sort of cool, slick UI. So if you know what you're doing, it's fun to use. And if you don't know what you're doing, you should actually bother looking at some kind of online manual thing. Otherwise, you'd like me and just go, well, this thing just doesn't work. Because there, there are these red buttons for things like shutter and focus and stuff. And if they're not activated, none of these are lit up. It says, oh, you don't want me to control anything, so I won't. And so, therefore, it just sits there not doing anything, which can be a little frustrating, which I think is perhaps why some of the reviews aren't awesome. And look, I won't say that it's the best thing ever, but it's like 10 bucks, and I think it has some real interesting uh, applications. But anyway, we're, we're working on that as we speak yeah, this weekend. Yeah, a few versions next. of the cables for like 10 bucks or so, and then the app in the App Store. It looks yeah. Like. And yes, uh, yeah, there is a very, there is, um, there's the sort of pro kind of trigger box version of it, and then there's the, uh, I guess, like the computer interface version of it as well. So there's a few sort of levels of uh, dedication. Yes, so that's Trigger Trap. Hey, um, you've got a Kickstarter thing that just blew my mind. Do you want to tell us uh, about that? Yeah, look, I actually I haven't listened watched this video for a couple of days, but um, it is pretty impressive. It is called, um, and thanks to uh, the Twitterverse for um, reminding me about this one, it's called The Kick. It is um, a, I guess, how would you describe it? It's a full spectrum, not full spectrum, it's a... Um, it's a light source. At the moment, it's only a small panel. There's no mention necessarily they're going to do anything bigger. But, man, this is just begging to be turned into much larger or more light panel size size um, uh, size elements. But uh, it's a, I guess you call, it's a light source that where it is, uh, I guess every, every color of the rainbow can be uh, represented. And you can uh, control it all with your iPhone. Now you can actually almost on the touch screen of the uh, you can you know how you sort of do the color picker in in Photoshop or whatever you can almost sort yep. of run your finger on a whole palette there and choose which color temperature you want. You can use the camera in the iPhone to uh, almost be the color picker, so you can point it at a screen or a color or it's like this chameleon light source where you can point the camera at a, a, a video of a flickering flame and it will produce this amazing flickering flame colored light and it's just this is just asking to be evolved into a really serious onset or a larger larger panel system it's very clever um it's it it has been it has been funded is it now uh how big is it now the funding like the no 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 the the actual physical Uh, it's uh, similar to um, iphone size Right. Okay. So it's a small kind of handheld thing. At the yeah, moment, I won't right? play the video at the moment to refresh my memory. But yes, it's a yes, small handheld thing, not as big as a you know one foot size uh, uh, panel. But um, yeah, iPhone controllable and very very clever. This is one of those ones where you actually have to go and look at the uh, search for the kick on Kickstarter dot com and have a look at the video because it is very very impressive. It's well funded. They've got one hundred twenty five thousand dollars of the one hundred fifteen they were after. So yeah, this you can still back it. Of course, at this stage, it hasn't. Uh, 
until July 18. You can get in there and um, uh, I think you it is... Uh, I'm not sure how much an actual one is, but uh, an actual element. There seem to be a couple of models yeah, because there be models. Um, there's a basic one without Wi-Fi and then there's a Wi-Fi one. And so you can have a basic one. I don't know why you would want that because it seems to me all the fun is programming it from your... Um, yeah. But some of those pledges are already out. Like there was one that was the $139 pledge, um, which was the Wi-Fi kind of one. Yeah. Now that's probably um, the one you want. Well, you want something with the wireless because it's very gone. clever, has it? Okay, because you can actually put it off to one side and then you can actually have the control panel by your camera and be looking through the lens and then play with the intensity and the color as you while you watch through the lens. And you can control multiple, you know, multiple elements of these lights just from, from the one phone. And uh, yeah, I guess it's a small sort of desktop version of what is available to, in some degree in, in, in commercial lighting and theatre lighting. But still, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's so, someone's really So to be really clear, thinking. I could use this to light an iPhone shot, but there's nothing stopping me using it to light a DSLR shot yeah. and just has it now as a remote control oh, for the light. Exactly. You're not, it's not linked to the, 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 the main link with the iPhone is that, yes, you can use the camera, but you can also just it's, – it's a remote control. And you can use – as I say, you can use the camera in, in the phone to sort of replicate, use it to mimic lighting. That's the, that's the genius part. You have to see that to be, believe it. That with, you know, that's just really clever. Hopefully, no one thought of it before, and they don't get their ass sued. Because I'd love to see this. <laughs> I'd love to see it evolve into some, something larger. But uh, yeah, and seven hundred and twenty-two people would agree with you, my friend. It's uh, good on them. I, I like Kickstarter. I did that uh, Trek pack. You know that, that that's now out and about. Is it Trek? Oh yeah, Trek did, pack. Was that it's, it's gone and finished and done now, and you can actually. But have you got it? Uh, no, I haven't got because I have to. It's evolved so much since the. Um, this is the packing thing uh, with the. Repackable So it's evolved a bit since the original Kickstarter, and now you can very much customize it to your 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 um, to different cases rather than having to buy it for a specific case. Um, yeah, no, love it. So how, how do you spell it again? T r e k p a k trekpack.com. So yeah, I love Kickstarter. It's bloody impressive. Yes, it is. Um trekpack.com yeah. right yeah right. Um, yeah no I think it's uh, it's been great for so many things Actually, I mean you know the only trouble is of course I think some people get into it thinking that they'll make a living from yeah. it and normally it works because you get enough money to kickstart a project yeah. but in reality you're never gonna um, get back you know the kind of t- hours and sort of years of toil that you put into it that being said um, what a great way to get non-VC funding to get you off the ground in these small amounts. Yeah, and still own, essentially still own your, you know, no one owns a piece of you. The people who buy it get get yeah. what they paid for. And, it's and you know terrific. what, I mean, I love community getting behind stuff that the community wants to see. Yeah, That's and it's awesome. not just products there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of film projects and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, documentary projects that are being funded on Trekpack, so on, uh, on uh, Kickstarter. So it's really, uh, it's a clever place, providing so people don't I, rip you off. I, I listen, I listen to you, obviously, um, and and uh, and I listen to you enough that I'm going to loop back on something that you said a while ago, which was about KinneyRaw.com, which is a Chinese S30 Super 35 2K raw camera for around seven grand. This is a Chinese camera. Some have described it as the Chinese Scarlet. Yeah, though it's, it's way very bigger slightly than slightly bigger than a Scarlet, isn't it? <laughs> 
slightly bigger like like, <laughs> like the way Alexa. A, like bigger than Alexa. Yeah, it's interesting. In the way that a minivan is bigger than a bicycle. Yeah. Look, it's clever. For a Super 35, and um, I, it is still not at a stage that you can buy. Um, but what's it's getting closer. Sorry, go ahead. It's getting closer. Yeah, it's getting closer. And there's a Super 35 version, and they're going to be working on a Super 16 and a Super 8 version, which uh, cracks me up. Explain the Super 8 version. I, I don't, I just I don't think that there's really not, there's no, nothing on their site other than there's a Super 8 version coming, which like will be a Super 8 size sensor, I guess, which I find just hysterical. So the idea of this is it shoots in cinema DNG files, basically. It's DNG yeah. um, raw files. Super 35 sensor, um, mm. uh, true raw, as cinema DNG and also cineform. Uh, shoots to SSDs, so you're not sort of proprietary stuff. You just shove them in the back. And um, it's fairly big-ish, but uh, yeah, it's two two K. Yeah, so two K Super Thirty Five camera for I think it was seven to eight thousand yeah. US. They were talking about yeah, yeah. And we should put a link to the video because there's a guy showing. Um, <laughs> yes, we should see that. That's pretty funny. He's a charismatic chap. <laughs> he knows his stuff. <laughs> Look, you know, hey, bring, bring it on. It's it's interesting. I mean, you know, it's, it's the it's their first sort of version. It's it's a very interesting uh, idea. I oh. hope they didn't sort of you know rip anybody off and specifically to to get to that stage. You know, it's not like they sort of no um, copied Alexa. Balls when we were talking about time lapse before, you didn't and oh, we didn't mention it, but we should have done a shout out to Tom Lowe, who's had a huge amount of success with his uh, timescapes. Oh yes. Because it's um, now now on Blu-ray. Now on Blu-ray, and somebody actually pointed out to me that we hadn't mentioned it. I just felt really bad that we hadn't mentioned Tom's project, not because of any other reason than it just hadn't come up in the show. It wasn't like we were not discussing it. Uh, also, we um, need to point out that uh, we did. It's kind of at the end of NAB, we do a sort of. I guess you could sort of call it a um, a substitute kind of. RC episode as we drive back from NAB. So those who may not have missed may have missed that because it's actually it would have been FX FX Guide uh, FX Guide episode. Yeah, the FX podcast. FX podcast. Yeah. yeah. So we would have touched on it there, but not in the RC specifically. So yeah, the uh, it's now uh, available. Uh, I guess on Timescapes dot com uh, on Blu-ray. It is. You can buy the Blu-ray special edition, which has making of stuff for like forty bucks. Or you can buy owners region free by the way, or you can buy the standard edition Blu-ray for like twenty bucks, or you can download it for fifteen bucks or twenty-four bucks for the bigger one. From and then there's also a soundtrack album. Though I'm not, I'm not so you know into the soundtrack. I'm kind of. But what's really phenomenally interesting about this, I think, um, something that just I I think is. Uh, extraordinary is the idea that you can buy the 4K edition. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's where I think uh, it, it's really, you know, in addition to how beautiful the footage is, in addition to how much we applaud somebody who just devoted so much of their life to doing this, because it's, you know, really serious um, commitment. Yeah. The idea that he's released a 4K version um, in both. Uh, now, I understand that there's a, you can get it as a USB, but there's also a a full 4K Cineform 140 gigabyte 12-bit hard drive version. Okay. <laughs> which is 300 bucks. This is probably not on iTunes. <laughs> no, I think the hard drive version that you buy that if, you know, if you're actually dating Tom. Um, no, but seriously, like, like, yeah, I just totally applaud that somebody can do this. Talk about 
independent publishing. This is a product or a project, I should say, not a product. This is a project screaming for a red ray um, projector. Yeah. Timescapes.org. Uh, My apologies, mm-hmm. Tom. Don't go to timescapes.com. Sometimes that's all. Yes, I'm sorry, I missed on that as yeah. well. Yeah, so the trailer's in there, but I just think the fact it's got a 4K is just um, astounding. And uh, there's a you know discussion group there, and it's actually a pretty um, serious discussion group as well. There's like quite a lot of activity. Sometimes on on boards, it's not actually worth checking out discussion of this yeah. kind of stuff because no one is. You know, there's like four people saying, "Where is everyone else?" Not the case. Might go to timescapes.org/products and you will see the. Not inconsiderable amount of versions this film is available in. <laughs> the 30-inch HD download, the Retina HD download, the Blu-ray, the 4K edition for $9,995, the 4K Cineform hard drive for $2.99. Uh, and I actually think the 30-inch monitor version, mm-hmm. which is 2,500 by 1,400 kind of thing, I mean, that, that would be just a magnificent way to watch it. Like, watching it on a... 30-inch Apple display, that would be really yeah, nice. it's beautiful. It's um, the kind of thing you actually sort of... I mean, it's nice to watch by itself, but it's kind of cool kind of thing to just have on the uh, have on the TV in the background a cocktail party. Thank <laughs> you. Or you're all having hash brownies or something. I don't know. Not that I've ever had a cocktail party. You like saw that. it in Vegas, right? Yeah. I, 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 was, at a, the, uh, the I was conflicted. Yeah, I was cool. invited to the premiere and I wasn't able to make it because I had a private meeting... Uh, which really was, I mean, you know, a shame, but it was very important. But um, you you weren't at that meeting, and you absolutely went to it, and uh, it must have got a good reception. What was it like, you know, being there on the yeah, night? Yeah, terrific. I mean, Tom's not someone who likes to really talk about himself, so getting him up and 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 actually, you know, introing his uh, movie was a bit, you know, hard for him. But uh, it was terrific because it was a really good actually screening. It was terrific to get you know everybody. Uh, involved who kind of oh also people who had, had sponsored if you remember this is actually something you can actually um, um, by purchasing the DVD pre-purchasing the DVD you can actually spot you know essentially sponsoring the finishing of it so most people you know there's a lot of people who did that had their name up in lights as well so it was kind of kind of fun for that but it was it, it went, went went down really well and uh, uh, it was a really well um, well run thing and uh, Eric. Tesla was there and, and you know put on a great party and everyone put on a really good show so it was it was um, it was beautiful it was uh, it was very well done it, it looked great up on the screen there's some astounding astounding shots in there that you know yeah. that you just um, it is proof to the fact that the, he's a, this is a very dedicated long time project that the, the only way to get to shoot some of these killer never to be seen again weather pattern kind of things it's the fact that you that he he, he gets them because he gets he, he was getting out of bed and you know sitting and waiting and watching uh, day after day that that that's so how you I get got out to, of bed you know because yeah. there's there's some weather patterns and there's some um cloud formations and, and light that is not there when you set up, and it actually just appears, and some of it just appears in front of what it. About that beautifully framed, like right the in front of the lens. Flow. I couldn't want it. I wouldn't want it even more to the left or the right. That was the perfect spot for it, and it just happened because he was there to, to capture it. And you know, if you're there next week, it might not happen. If you're there next month, it might not happen. But he was, uh, you know, you get it because you get your ass off the couch and uh, and, and, and go shoot. 
What about that waterfall that uh, he photographed that is only lit up by the sun at that particular angle? I think like one day in the year. Yeah, that was that was that was that was pretty. But there were some ama- some utterly amazing shots in there that where they d- did. There's one particular one that goes forever. There's this, this sort of really young, uh, sort of I guess like a ten, twelve year old boy, uh, mountain climbing boy, and he was actually there mm-hmm. that, at the premiere as well. And there's this shot where this you're craning up this mountain as he climbs it, and the light's beautiful, and it's an amazing move, and it goes on forever. Like, How the hell do they do this stuff? But uh, and there's some beautiful stuff in um, on the water where you're actually doing time lapse on. Almost, I guess, like from a boat. I think he shot with a gyro, uh, right on the water, right on the waterline in these canyons, and it's just, just astounding. So yeah, it's definitely well worth the purchase, download, Blu-ray, whatever format you get it in. It's 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 um, well well worth the download, and good on you, Tom, for getting out of bed. Yeah, it's in- inspiring footage. Um, and there's humans in so- there too, which is always good with uh, time apps. You know, you just. <laughs> The time lapse is great, but it's uh, every once in a while you need to see you need to see a face, you need to see a human. Yeah, you know, there's only so um, long you can watch something time lapsed without wanting to have humanity in there. I was going to say we should uh, give out uh, Tom's. Um, well, it's really Facebook, isn't it? Rather than Twitter, as the uh, this week's Twittery Facebooky thing. Oh, yes, because uh, on Facebook he's slash Timescapes. Um, spelt as you'd expect it to be. Uh, if you want to uh, follow, there's like 24, 25,000 people already liked it. Um, but if you're not one of those, I would suggest that that's a, uh, a good place to go for this week. Um, is there anything else we haven't covered this week, hmm. Jace, you'd like to get to? Let me think. I don't really think so. We kind I of got... Think um, we kind of did it, yeah. Did it all. There's probably more stuff. There's um, definitely more I, there stuff is some out there. Stuff. Please tweet us. There is some stuff. I just want to flag really quickly before we go. There is a, a nice new GoPro underwater housing um, mm-hmm. that uh, I would have used if I'd known it, needed it before I went underwater <laughs> with an underwater rig. I took this underwater rig. I, don't, I think we've spoken. Yeah, we must have, yeah. Um, anyway, yes, I managed to completely unsuccessfully do that. So, yes, if you're shooting underwater with the GoPro, that's good. But there's also a Wi-Fi kit, which I haven't actually tested yet. Yeah, the but, Wi-Fi um, kit's very cool. Um, I think we might have, again, um, I think maybe did we, did we go to, I think we might have talked about that when we were in our uh, stranded Stranded in yes. C34K, whatever it was, uh, episode yes. um, from, from David telling us about that. But that is actually now out. When we, At the time of the podcast, it was uh, coming soon. One thing that would have been cool, which I saw at a couple of versions of at NAB, is these cages for, you know, like little metal rounded cages for um, DSLRs. But a couple of companies are now making uh, GoPro cages, which would have actually saved my one of my time lapses. Um, while I, I was shooting on the weekend, had I not been in a plastic housing, if I just had the camera, because what, what the camera lacks by itself is the ability to be able to bolt it or screw it to something, and I had this, you know, this, this clamps and had the cam- camera lashed to um, this uh, tent, but because uh, it was still in its housing, it, it could fog up in the, as, the, as the morning sun came and hit it. So, um, um, GoPro cage is a great idea and there's uh, um well I would just say that the Wi-Fi thing like at the moment it works on the remote control that you might have like as a separate thing around your wrist or something if you're jumping out of an aeroplane it seems like an awfully good idea but the one that I'm really waiting for is there's a 
tablet thing coming soon where you actually be able to run the GoPro via a tablet. And once the GoPro can be run from a tablet, I can imagine being super cool. Like you have a shot uh, inside of a car and you could be, you know, controlling from inside the car and doing stuff, which um, should be coming uh, soon. And it's... um, The good thing about the uh, Wi-Fi module and that little keyring thing is that yeah. they are linked together and if you press a button they there's a communication between the two the remote knows that the camera is rolling and will tell you and if you've got five cameras uh on the outside of your car or your rig or whatever mm. it will um tell you all five cameras are rolling uh, will confirm that this stuff is happening because if you're inside the car it's strapped in with a four-point safety harness you don't want to have to get out and start p- switching on a, a you know uh, switching on cameras or whatever the rig or if it's on top of a building you want to be able to hit it and know that that camera is running without actually having to be able to see it so yep. for a little teeny little thing and the technicolor profiles that they've now got for it they're pretty impressive they've wrung the life out of that freaking little beast they have absolutely milked it for all it's worth and now time for a gopro t- three lads time for something with that's got maybe i don't know like say a menu system <laughs> it is a little hard to... Fucking uh, hell. Is it ever? Yeah. Oh. Are you still... Because uh, when we were going to Vegas, you were shooting with the other one, right? The thing looks like a cigar. Oh, yeah, the uh, Contour, which is okay, which yeah. is good. Are which you is still... good, too. But it's not uh, waterproof. It's you, oh, it's not sort of as splash-proof as the... I still use that, but um, uh, I haven't done the time that's with that for a while. I think it just happened to be that the, the, the GoPro was the thing that was charged and the first thing my hand reached in the cupboard when I was running out the door to, to, to prep for the shoot and thought, oh, well, you used it for an ad, didn't you? Huh? Didn't you do an ad? In a oh, yeah, I did. Sort of like yes, a, I used it yeah. for a um, for an ad. Like a hidden camera was, kind of... It was hidden in a sardine tin. Tom Gleason um, made a uh, cut that back out of a sardine tin can and hid it in some garbage. Yeah, it worked really I well. I did like that contour when we used it. Um, yeah, it's clever. It, I mean, it's, it, that it's must be waterproof because I've seen iPhone, the, on their website you know, to have the Bluetooth thing and to see the, the you know to see the um, to see what you're framing, which is what the GoPro is going to do as well, I guess. There must be a waterproof thing for the contour because I'm sure I've seen there, skiing or yeah, it, swimming yeah, or kayaking or something. There is. I think in its out the box form, it's I guess I think it's kind of splash proof, uh, and then like the. GoPro really don't take it in water unless you put it in its little housing. But the GoPro comes okay. with the housing and the contour doesn't. Okay. No. So I have bought a little um, time-lapse camera now, but it doesn't make it anymore. I bought a Ricoh. After the research, I wanted a wide lens. I wanted RAW. I wanted inbuilt time-lapse ability and uh, I wanted manual exposure. And I bought a second-hand Rico GX100. Um, so we'll see whether that works. I'll try and put it in its uh, paces. Thank you to uh, Twitter for the recommendation. GX100 or GX200. It's 24mm on the wide end, shoots raw. Yeah, I love Twitter. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Um, uh, so. Just the other thing I was going to say before again, I forgot to say this is before that uh, there's been quite a few productions starting to roll out with the red in cinemas of late in this kind of um, you know blockbuster oh, yeah. season. Let's talk of movies. Stuff. So I've got some other news as well, which is interesting. Well, which I yes, just so I was going to say <clears throat> the big one has been Prometheus, and um, we've uh, we've had some amazing coverage of that on FX Guide, which is 
just been going gangbusters, including a 30-minute FX Guide TV going to the making of. Yes, that was awesome. Um, and Spider-Man's coming out soon, um, but there's been... I think, actually, the Huntsman also used the Epic. I'm not quite sure where. I'm only in second unit. I'm not sure. Right. Um, uh, I'm not sure. What do you think of Prometheus? Uh, I actually loved it. I'm sort of in... Well, the audiences are, as you know, reasonably torn about this film, and I utterly loved it. Yes, there's there's plot issues, and I, I don't know. I think... <sighs> You know, if if it, if a plot's sort of up and down a bit, and there's lots of visual effects, sometimes all of those things can take you out of take you out of the movie. You know what I mean? And I don't feel that any none of that took me out of the film, so I actually stayed in it and enjoyed it. And you know, the plot gaps and stuff are only something that you think about after you leave the movie. But unlike some films, it's actually a film where you do actually think about it when you leave the movie. I was, yeah, saw, saw it a couple of times and uh, thought it looked uh, looks amazing. The visual effects are stunning and every single one of them is immersive and real and I just love them, particularly seeing some of the um, deconstructions on, on the FX, FX Guide TV apps is to see the layers of atmospherics and background haze and perspective haze and, and layers of flare and grit and gunk and particles and stuff that make something real. Some All of the ships and everything look really big and I love the fact that uh, physics really applied here, you know. The, the huge ship took the right amount of time to fall down and it took, although, hello, run to the left instead of keep running in that direction. But anyway, don't start me on that one. But, but it was beautifully the physics was beautifully applied on 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 it really f- everything felt huge and felt immense and uh there's so m- it was a very very creative beautiful production design gorgeous cinematography looked as sharp as a tack um yeah it's i i really i really liked it as a fan of the original and there was enough sort of cues from the from before to, to, to link all the universes or whatever you want to call it that links them all together the past, present, separate universe, separate planet whatever you want to, however you want to justify it readily, I don't mind but um, no, I loved it, you liked it obviously I liked it, I, but I just was in awe of the visual effects I thought they were just so nice there's so much there and I think I can't wait for what is no doubt the inevitable as Ridley has done in the past long version extended version directors cuts whatever because there's yeah a, that's the one i want there's to see, a huge yeah. back universe there that we have not seen I, I, I think there was like 45 minutes or something that one of the actors i saw in an interview said was cut um there's going to be a long version and it's going to be awesome oh that 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 have to be otherwise what um because the first what, third why of the was film Wayland cut, kind played of by a young guy if, if it wasn't just because of one one teaser ted talk surely you know why? Why have him? You know there have to be a whole bunch more on 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 Wayland. Otherwise, get an old bloke to play him. Really, no. Anyway, yes. I anyway, I, there's definitely there's a lot of there's a lot of depth to it, and I'd love to see as as you know that's great. Rather have it that way than have a completely simplistic force fed plot where you know you walk out of it with with no questions. Do you like the grade? Uh I did. Yeah, it's good. It's sort of grit, gritty. Company and, three. Hmm? Company yeah, three. Grade was nice. It was. Um, I liked the 3D. I liked everything, actually. 3D was good. It sort of helped with the immersiveness rather than sort of take you out of it. I, I, yeah, I love production design. was astounding. All that work on the, on the planet, you know, putting the, uh, um, the environments on the planet were just brilliant. I, I, yeah, I like it. Bring on the Blu-ray or something or whatever's next bring on the 4k 
Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's good. I'm interested to see what um, Spidey looks like. I've seen some of it already, and that'll be pretty interesting. And, of course, uh, Hobbit at the end of the year will be awesome. Hobbit will be interesting. Did you say you had some other news? Oh, just you like to a, a mate of mine is uh, working on shooting on Fury Road on um, ah. uh, in Namibia, Africa? Shooting, which is the Mad Max prequel, sequel, mm. whatever you want to call it. Uh, which has been in, uh, yeah, Mike, you've been kind of close to that project on and off, and it's was going to be 3D, and now last minute decision to shoot the thing 2D, and it's now being shot 235 to 1 uh, with Alexa, four Alexa Pluses and three Alexa Ms, six Canon 5D Mark IIs, and eight Olympus EM5s. I tell you something really interesting about that. When it was going to be shooting before, uh, in stereo, they were making their own cameras. Yes, and of course that's not relevant anymore. No, because, um, we've moved on. Yes, but yeah, it's very annoying if you're the guy that spent two years making the cameras. Yeah, so. yeah, but uh, you know, so. I mean, if you're shooting in the desert for you know rigging cars, racing, I mean, it would be tough. It that'd be a tough three D gig. Um, you know, vibration and r- rigging in and out of cars and and on and, and, and um, crash rigs and stuff. It's uh, that would be tough. So you know, I can fully understand them going to two D and um, I, mean, I think I think well, I think Epic would know, still be entirely justified. But um, shooting Alexa, it's being shot by uh, John Seal, great Australian cinematographer. So you know, this is his first, I think, digital film. So yeah, should be great. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that, yeah, I mean, you know, they weren't obviously on Epic before, they were on, um, as you say, on these private cameras. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that we're seeing the same problems with stereo conversion that we have in the past. I think some of the stereo conversion we've seen recently has just been so spectacularly good um, that I can understand somebody wanting to do that. But it's funny because a lot of people that went to stereo conversion, like on John Carter and stuff, they did it because they wanted to shoot on film. Yeah. Um, yeah. But look, I'm I'm most enthusiastic about seeing uh, something that's shot on film, which is going to be Dark Knight. I mean, you know, I make no bones about it. As much as I love digital yeah. cinematography, as as my presence on this podcast would indicate, um, I'm totally, absolutely already bought tickets for the IMAX uh, screening of Dark Knight. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see what Paul Franklin and the team at DNEG have come up with. I think it's going to be jaw-droppingly good. And... Um, you know, I don't think it has to be one or the other. I want to see Hobbit just as much, but it's just, you know. Yeah. And um, again, like um, First Dark Knight, it's a mix of 35 and 65. Uh, there's lots of IMAX on. I can't really talk oh. about it much, but uh, IMAX, definitely worth seeing in IMAX, is all I'm going to say. Cool. There are, there, are, there are some serious embargoes on that film. Mm-hmm. Well, he is Mr. Secrecy. Uh, yeah, I think it's actually Warner's, actually. I think it's actually Warner's more than it is um, okay. uh, the director here. And and you'll find that a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff does not come out in the opening weekend. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. It will come out okay. sometime after embargoes are lifted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, yep, looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be one of the, the episodes. I think Prometheus delivered for me. I know people got really sort of funny about picking it to death and quite frankly I found it fascinating I found that uh, you touched on it really just briefly there but I found it reassuring to be in a coffee shop after seeing a film and wanting to discuss the yep. film not going oh that was good What's, what, what are you having yeah. latte yeah alright yeah. 
um, it was just fun to actually have something to think about. Yeah, it's so. it's a worthy sequel, sequel, whatever the fuck it was. But but I will actually tell you that I think Aliens with an S um, still is my favourite. Oh. It's just so freaking good. Wow, Mr. Cameron, lock and go. load. Sorry, get away from her. <laughs> so, um, Jace, we need to finish yep. up. Um, I'm actually being texted by uh, someone who expects me to be somewhere else right yeah, now. You go be somewhere else. It's been terrific talking Thank to you. Here. I'm so glad Appreciate we could sneak you back indeed. on, even if we did it on a Saturday afternoon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for making the time. And thanks for listening, guys. I'm putting up with all the usual rat hole bullshit weirdo stuff. Um, <laughs> I think they've enjoyed it as much as we have. Thanks. Uh, so we'll post some uh, maybe abbreviated show, um, show notes just to get them out in time with just the links and yeah. stuff that you need uh, for stuff that you need. Uh, but please uh, keep you know firing us questions on Twitter and stuff. And uh, if Jason happens to be in the world of... Uh, Wi-Fi connectivity, he will respond, which means yeah. going to where, Chase? Uh, in the next couple of weeks? No, no, I mean like oh, I'm my. giving you a chance to plug oh, a see. website or a... Uh, Twitter, Twitter is uh, slash Wingrove um, or my website, uh, jasonwingrove.com. I thought it was just Wingrove. It's wingrove.tv, but don't go there for a moment because I'm having the joy of iWeb. Uh, trying to tra- um, trying, I'm in the pain of transitioning away from iWeb, which is, I think okay. they pull the plug in a few days. So, um, yeah. And, of course, you'll find me over at uh, FX Guide or at FX PhD where we have that uh, smoke training. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. See you. Thanks for listening. Send your questions or comments to rc at fxguide.com. Copyright 2011, FX Guide, LLC.